0: Good morning, WA. This is the World Football Program. My name's Sean Kelly, and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Thanks to Frank and Jerry for a wonderful uh, Celtic Ramblings program. Always good to have those boys in the studio. In the studio with me is the is Peter, the A League Statman Skeeler. How are you, Pete? Yeah, very well. Bit of a frog in a frog in
1: the throat at the moment. So if I sort of drop out to to have a cough, that's what's going on there.
0: Okay. Everything going well, though? Yeah, yeah, everything going well on that. You know, no. we you know, no COVID. Sydney in the
1: grand final, that's good. So. Oh,
0: that's always good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all right, so on the show today, we're going to start off with Maurice O'Teary, who should be on his way into the studio any second. And then we're going to talk to Dean Bell, who is the president out there at Wanneroo. We'll talk to him about things in the Northern Corridor and how it's all going for Wanneroo, uh, involved in awful lots of parts of the game so you know juniors amateur men state league women and walking football so um good bunch of guys out there um then we're going to talk to the lost lioness hayley roach and we're going to talk about the fa cup final and the women's super league in the uk and then we're going to follow out with uh, phil kelly who is the WA State League Chair and he's also the President of Ashfield but we'll talk to him about a number of different football subjects. We'll just meander through that so I'm looking forward to that. In news, as you've already alluded to, um, there will be no Sydney side in the final um, this year which after a, f- a 4-0 drubbing last night at the hands of Man City. <laughs> <laughs> Man City. Yeah, well, yeah, City.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah absolutely. I, I didn't catch the game unfortunately. I turned on for about oh, five minutes, I think, and it was 2-0. With, yeah. I think, about you know 20 minutes ago. Oh, yeah, it looks like they've got this in the bag. Uh, and I was quite surprised to see the final scoreline of 4-0 yeah. at the end. Yeah. So, I, a bit I, of a spanking.
0: Well, the send-off after 20 minutes didn't help. Yeah. Um, but, you know, look, it, you can't do that against the side like City. Um, and I think, you know, all, all season long, they've been probably the better side in the comp. So Well,
1: uh, you know, they finished 11 points clear yeah. at the top of the table. So, you know, if, if you're going to beat them, you have to... At something special, I,
0: I haven't been able to see a crowd figure, but from the, the bits I did watch, the green seat hooligans were in, yeah, <laughs> they're in mass. Yep,
1: <laughs> yeah, I see you're um, you've, you've stolen a line off Facebook as well. I can see that. <laughs> That's oh, a great line, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll steal that one, not a problem, <laughs> mate. Yeah, I thought I liked it, No, But the thing is, now it was that boat for the final because obviously, for a, a Sydney based. Final for the next three years. Yep. We're always saying what happens when there's two two teams that aren't from Sydney in it. Yeah, we're going to find out.
1: Yeah, we will indeed. Yeah. Um. So obviously the other team will either be Adelaide or Central Coast, and we we're just discussing off air. Yeah. I think probably Central Coast looks yep. like they'll go through, but you know don't write off Adelaide. They, Central and, and Adelaide finished very close on the ladder. They only just got squeaked. Uh, Central Coast only just squeaked through for for second place. Yeah. So yeah, it could still go either way, but um, the second leg is this evening, and it's Central Coast at home, um, and they're coming in with a two-one lead from the from the game in Adelaide. So they certainly should. You'd think they should get away with it.
0: Absolutely it um, be interesting because the, the game against Adelaide is obviously later on today. Yeah. Um, the FA, Women's FA Cup, um, Sam Kerr, yeah, someone, some, one someone, goal.
1: Someone scored a goal on that one? Yeah.
0: I think. yeah. Well, no, look, I think it's remarkable that she's been in three consecutive finals. Yep. Not only she has been in three consecutive finals, she scored in each one. Yeah. And now this one, that one goal was the winner.
1: Exactly. And I mean, you know, it was a brilliant cross through to her as well. Everyone
0: goes on about the goal, but yeah, Yeah. the the cross itself. I mean, (laughs) I could have finished that cross. I think (laughs) it was, it was inch perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, I've, I've seen this discussion before. It's like, as you say, like almost anyone could have scored that goal. It's the work you've done to get to the position where you're in position to score that goal, both on the field and off the field to get there, all the hard work.
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah definitely and i think that that was great um and obviously great for women's football and i saw a thing about you know being a great role model for um national you know national icon for women i think she's an international icon for women and role model for for all girls in the the sport
1: and my wife and i have been watching the matilda's documentary on disney plus and i've actually found that very interesting and and really enjoyed it i gives you a bit more of a you know behind the scenes as to what it's what life's like for a professional footballer you know, male or female I think I think it's yeah um, to, to see and just I mean we sort of I guess we we subconsciously know yes they travel around a lot there's a lot of jet setting but to actually sort of see it in action where you're, you know you're here then you're there you're in camp you're out of camp and you I, I think I have a bit yeah I think yeah. I have a bit more appreciation for um yeah. you know when players go you know I need a break at the end of the season, you know, my thought was always, oh, come on, the World Cup's on. You can, you you know, you're sure you want to play in that. Um, You know, don't worry about the end of season. But, you know, I sort of a bit more of appreciation of just how much travelling they do and how little time they get off from the sport, which Mm. for most people, myself included, is a hobby and a passion. um, But, yeah, something you can put aside when something else comes along. It's as much fun as your
0: job, yeah. Yeah. Um, In local news, um, Perth have sacked their um, club legends and coaches in the Wingle Brothers, Um, both Mark and Dale, good servants to the club and also former glory players. So, um, yeah, uh, interesting times for Perth. Any any idea why? Or is that just because of Perth's position on the ladder? I would say so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else it would be. And then, you know, obviously uh, with my shirt... (laughs) on um West Ham are massive everywhere we go. Um just a brilliant win. Um one 0 through to the final in Prague. Boys are celebrating, so happy to see um West Ham in their first final in forty three years. Really? Yep. The Sorry. last the last it's final quarantina. the last final they played in was an FA Cup final in nineteen eighty, which was the year my eldest boy was born. <laughs> so, you know, been a bit of a while between drinks for the Old Hammers, but yep. uh, nice to see them in, the, in a final for you know, the first time in a long time. Um, always great to have them. So, you know, that's really the a little bit of the week in, in football. We'll talk a bit later on about the general football with Phil, um, but we're going to go to an ad break very shortly, and we will be back with Maurice Atiri, who is the president of Fremantle City. So we'll be back after this.
2: Oswest Fencing and Raw Time is a fourth generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Time. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Now
3: I believe he's going to work me into the ground. I pull to the left, I keep to the right. I ought to kill
4: him, but it wouldn't be right. Radio, Radio Fremantle,
0: Fremantle 107.9, 107.9 FM. Okay, joining us in the studio now is Maurice Atiri, who's not the president of uh, Fremantle City, but he's still very, very much involved. Maurice, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Neff.
3: Uh, uh, Sean, how
0: are you? Good, mate. Pleasure to no, no, pleasure to have you in the studio. Um, now, a few years ago, um, a visionary made a, uh, an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding between three clubs in the Fremantle area, and out of that, um, Fremantle City was born. Um, how how is that Memorandum of Understanding going? Because at the time, everyone, oh, never work. Um, people have self interest, etc. I haven't heard any grumblings out of that tripartite agreement
3: no not at all in fact i think it's um to be modest it's gone superlatively mm-hmm. no a- a- absolutely um the-, the foundation of any good joint venture has to be uh, committee members putting their ego aside you know, and self-interest yeah. and uh, thinking about the uh, the greater good in terms of the the, the clubs because you know one club as uh, membership was like falling, uh, I think from around six hundred and eighty members to about two hundred and forty when the when the NPL clubs first came into existence. Uh, the other one was growing uh, from a uh, ladies, women's, girls, junior perspective, but had no pathway in terms of the more uh, higher, I guess, football playing levels of the game. And as long as the common interests um, identified nice and early, and you work diligently at those. Um, success can be achieved and I and I feel as if uh, Fremantle City is one of those success stories.
0: Certainly seems to be that way uh, and then the other thing and the thing you haven't mentioned is within that agreement you've now got a, a club that's the foundation club through the Tricolore yes. connection so yeah. you, your history goes back to 1960 um, that's true. so there's a lot there but you've also now got a very well established um, state league side, you've got a very well established um, female MPL side so um, and both of those are going very well.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, and not to mention our uh, junior MPL uh, boys as well, who yeah. were, you know, thrown in the in, in the depths of uh, some uh, excruciating, painful uh, results. You know, when we first you know, got into that um, into that competition, um, and far more competitive now than where they were you know, six, seven years ago.
0: Yeah, it's always difficult, um, but that six, seven years hasn't been wasted. You've you've built and, and got stronger. Um, the end result is you've now got boys that were there in your 18, six or seven years ago, now playing in the first team at, at Fremantle.
3: Yes. Um, uh, one particular young lad, uh, Fiddley Greenwood, in fact, um, was on our very first trial uh, back in 2014 for our junior MPL, and he's playing uh, res at the moment, um, you know, Eight years later, nine years later, it's actually wonderful to see.
0: Mm. And volunteer-wise, I mean, I've seen you running the flag for the 18s and other things, um, and <laughs> That's also. I'll be
3: going after this. <laughs> yeah, know yeah.
0: look, it's, it's it's good to see. But there's obviously um, when you've got three different entities, are they coming under the, the banner and, and coming through and also helping in the state league side?
3: Uh, absolutely. Um, the good thing about the the state league structure right now is you've got to have all the coaches. Uh, from both the 18s, you know, Rizzies and the uh, first team in, in communication and liaison with each other. You can't be, you know, separated in, in, in islands uh, and, and everyone, you know, pulling for themselves. Uh, if And because of that communication, we, we can identify those who've got the potential actually to move, you know, both, you know, up and down uh, for that matter. Mm. Um, no, I've been really pleased with it over the last uh, four years in particular. And I think uh, uh, Cameron Lord, who was the... Uh, first uh, team coach you know from four years ago you know probably set the the ground rules uh, for that moving forward.
0: look Cam's a a very good coach but it's that professionalism off the field that Cam brings that people don't see and you know the sports science side of it. Um, Absolutely. And and, you know when you appointed him I thought what a wonderful appointment because he was going to bring out a whole load of of professionalism for you. Um, Obviously losing him to the glory is not a bad thing You, you want Players and coaches to progress.
3: We want every single person uh, within our club to actually to be the best they can be. Yeah. Um, I know that um, uh, Cam's in in London right now. Um, uh, maybe I shouldn't disclose it, but you know, there are some uh, opportunities for him. Yeah. That it, I hope he gets them. Uh, stay tuned.
0: Uh, yeah. look, I'm, I'm sure if the Metropolitan Police knows a scouser in London. <laughs> 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 um, all right, so you were involved yourself in the State League Standing Committee um, as the president and um, an awful lot of time spent there, do you? Three and a half years. Yeah, this absolutely. Is... Um, Thank
3: God for Phil Kelly, you know, so...
0: Uh, <laughs> look, Campbell, <laughs>
3: Ballantyne, those, those guys. There's
0: a lot of people like yourself, like Campbell, like Phil and and several others who have been within that, that body, if not as president or vice president, and... Um, yeah, you know, I could think of several people that have been in there for a long time. Mm. But I think when you first took up the, the mantle of president, the it was seen like a paper tiger um, and you certainly gave that tiger some teeth. So yes. w- <laughs> what do you think was your legacy within that three and a half yeah, that's years? A, that's a
3: good question. Um, I think uh, trying to... Maybe the the better answer to this question would be uh, trying to dismiss the perceptions uh, yeah. people do have of the State League Standing Committee at times. Uh, yes, not all recommendations they put forward are always going to be you know endorsed and, and followed through with. Uh, we only ever see, I guess, in you know, a part of the picture, and, and Football West is the, is the final determining factor. Um, I, I wouldn't call there's any legacy there that I've I've left behind. If anything, I may have just uh, alerted everyone to some of the shortcomings that need yeah. to be addressed at some point. And, and probably the biggest ones is going to be our constitution. You know, uh, yeah. I just feel as if the member clubs should be the ones that should be driving who's on the board of a football west, quite yeah. frankly, and not you know internal and external you know advertising for positions where people come into our. Uh, uh, into the board of our game, and actually don't even actually know our game at, yeah. gra- at mm-hmm. grassroots level, or any level for that matter. It just, yeah, it's just, it's
0: just. But then I suppose the, the other argument would be that the, the people coming into the game also need to have the expertise that's needed on the other side of the uh, the roles. So, um, who was it? The former Glory player, lawyer, who's a lawyer. He's now, I think, come on the board. Chris Harold. Harold. Yeah. yeah. So Chris yes okay. former former yes. player but now yeah. also you know a, a fully qualified lawyer I think that's not a bad way to go. Let's get 10 of those on the board. Yeah. Mm. We've in had case. well we don't necessarily need 10 lawyers on the board. <laughs> <laughs> well no. <laughs> no, but I uh, but I think you know that they yes you have to have the football credentials but you also need to have the professional credentials as well. So you know someone who's involved in advertising media um someone who's legal someone in compliance there's you know lots of areas where we need to be stronger yeah absolutely yeah yeah i agree Uh, and you know just because someone's banged a lot of goals in for for the glory or whatever doesn't necessarily make them the the best person for Mm. the job but i think you know that yeah i think that you're you're right the board needs to be selected differently and i think that the power and control is is currently in the wrong areas Mm. and you know the the, the whole board process needs a good shake up, but I, I remember you, you've lit a few fires whilst you were there, and, and some of those have taken a while to come through um, Sporting merit promotion relegation was one of your, your big ones and yes. and now that's in Finally. Um, yeah well you know you, you lit that fire, other people fueled it and mm. it's now where it is mm. um, professionalization of contracts what's your thoughts on the professionalization of the the players?
3: not so much the professionals of the player contracts. Um, you know, I, I, I read a lot of arguments around, you know, we should be developing our juniors, as an example, yeah. okay? While we play playing amateur players and, and so on and so forth. Um, until such time as there's a very uh, good, um, fair and equitable position where if a junior player comes to your club and you invest with, you know, free registration and, and, and all the rest of the, the perks that go with it, and to lose that player, and the club gets absolutely no remuneration out of that, I feel is unprofessional. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. and the uh, there are still too many clubs out there that are uh, probably fearful of going fully uh, professional in terms of contracts concern. And and I and I understand the player. Uh, uh, I guess. Not, not, I won't call it resentment because there are a couple of players that we're, we're trying to secure at the moment who are on professional contracts, yeah. who are not training with their club because their club has told them not to train and are not being released either. So yeah. it, it,
0: it, oh, We've got a similar situation. We've got a couple training with us who have been told they will be released, mm. um, but they're absent because obviously on a professional contract they want to try and continue that. So. Yeah,
3: sure, sure. Yeah. Um, not everyone's playing by the rules, but as long as the clubs that you know understand that rules are there not to be broken, yeah. uh, play by them, then uh, we're okay as I can put hand on heart and say that, yes, Firmantle City's got all their players on a professional contract, it's all transparent, it's all there to for anyone to, to be seen. Uh, but when I see other uh, clubs who are you know quite competitive, it, it amazes me that I can't attract those players who are only earning a maximum of $100 a game. You know, They're quite prepared to... Play with that team and, and travel long distances for the love of the club. For the yeah. love of the club, right? Yeah. <laughs> so tongue in cheek, it's all good. Um, it's got a long way to go. Has got a long way to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I look, and I think the the, the system in Australia, even with A leagues, there's no um, no transfer market. And no. I think that when you look at Europe, that's what drives the the leagues there. Is that transfer market?
3: It does. There's a, there's a market value. So all of a sudden. The criticism that may be aimed at players who are, you know, inverted commas amateurs, they're not amateurs because of their choosing. Some of these players are actually committed and behave like professionals, but are just not uh, viewed as such because, you know, we're in an amateur league uh, per se. The moment that you get an amateur, inverted commas player, you know, going to a trial, you know, overseas and getting signed up, and then all of a sudden they're worth, you know, a market value, oh, they're professional all of a sudden. Well, hang on. Uh, last week, they are an amateur. How can they be a professional the following week?
0: Yeah, and, and then I suppose look you, you look at the glory and, and the A-League in general. Um, player plays on a three-year contract at the end of, of year one. It's mutually terminated so he can go to another club and no one benefits from that. No. Mm. So, uh, you know, the player doesn't benefit, the club doesn't benefit. Mm. So uh, I think that we need to do a bit more work in that in that area.
3: Well, the club probably benefits because they've got a player that they don't, require or fits within their their and their, their systems and they don't have that, mm. that wage or that salary yeah. quota, but they can just shift across to
0: yeah sometimes um, there are players though that are required and, and you know you, you've just signed a marquee as your captain and a year <laughs> later he wants to leave you know um you're not naming names are you <laughs> no I'm, <laughs> not names, I'm not naming, just naming just names just fill in the dots <laughs> <laughs> Give us some um, hypothetical situation, the, the National Second Division is a, a hot topic and um, I see in the latest reiteration there is no team from WA. Thank God. Um, <laughs> well, I, you say that, but at one time I know Fremantle was certainly looking at...
3: at... A-League, but not, uh, not the Second Division. Yeah. And I still don't believe in the Second Division myself. But Look, I'm uh, privy to uh, an East Coast club uh, through our... You met this Academy uh, Association. Yeah. And it's okay if a club you know, is already uh, funded you know, socially uh, and, and produces surpluses of $1 to $3 million a, a year and has no home for the money. Mm. And, and that's why you've currently got probably 26 of the 32 you know, expression of interest who actually progress to this next uh, stage yeah. uh, because they have probably ticked that first box, which is they've got the cash. And we don't have a club in WA mm. that has got the cash at all. No. It's like nowhere near it.
0: No, and when you look at the the clubs in the NPL that you would think would be close to having the cash, even they've just gone, no, it's going to mm. cost too much.
3: Yeah. There's going to be somewhere between a $1 and $2 million shortfall per year for a national second division club to yeah. compete in that.
0: And then I suppose it's how do you attract the players, particularly if they're professionals and they're aligned with you know, a dozen different um, NPL clubs. Mm. Getting them freed up to play for that entity would be difficult.
3: No, they'll attract them. They'll, they'll attract them because all of a sudden yeah. you'll have whatever, 12, 14, say, National Second Division clubs who have got a budget that they can, you know, pay a player equivalent to effectively uh, a mid-range A-League player. And that's mm. probably, you know, 80 dollars 80 grand a year. So yeah. pretty good uh, pretty good coin for, you know, a professional footballer. Um, no, they'll, they'll have the money. This, this, this is my point these clubs that will get into that national second division will have the money to be able to attract the players
0: but then is it truly a national division a national second division when it doesn't have a team from from WA in it
3: uh, well yeah well, it might Rome be. wasn't built in a day we have yeah. to look back to it could where. be the, the glory the AFL, <laughs> the origins of the AFL was the VFL you know yeah. for for whatever a hundred years you know until it became the AFL
0: well some people still think it's the VFL so yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. a lot of people. Uh, no, it's. Uh, I dare say the second
1: division themselves—they're not going to be too unhappy about uh, West Australian side not being in
3: there. You know, just looking at airfares and airfare yeah. equalisation needs to come in, yeah. um, but that's only one component of it. Sure, uh, you could equalise the airfares and make sure that all the clubs contribute towards that. Mm. Um, but until they actually identify, for instance, a major, you know, broadcasting you know, sponsor, yep. uh, that's going to at least you know contribute, you know. Some some cash to all the clubs, yep. then you might see someone from from WA uh, come in. Yeah, but it, but it won't be it won't be a standalone club in WA. It might be a collection of, but uh-huh. I don't think it'd be one standalone club.
0: Maybe a few clubs on there mou and you know common... yeah, look, um,
3: you know the thoughts were there at the time I to wonder, try and
0: wonder who could engineer such a thing <laughs>
3: <laughs> documentation's already in place yeah uh, I know. you do this sign you know you become yeah. you know part of this, uh, this 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 greater club that everyone can contribute towards yeah. for sure
0: yeah i think look a lot of uh, a lot of people when they sign up for these things are always concerned about their identity and, and the loss of identity so i suppose the the, the three entities that joined in this haven't lost their identities and their, their club cultures are still intact. They're still uh, operating yeah. as... as
3: two, two, two of the clubs n- no longer exist on a playing field, but we've been very deliberate to make sure that the uh, the names and the colours, you know, um, uh, still sit there at the club uh, room mm. level. Yeah. And people still fondly speak about Fremantle United as an example. I know that my uh, illustrious... Um, uh, committee member uh, Alex Ricciardi, and he he bleeds black and white. Uh, still, uh, mm. he'll he'll still try to bring the Fremantle United song into the into the change room. Except it's got a couple of derogatory words in there. That I think the children would appreciate you know <laughs> yeah. the, uh, singing. Uh, but I love in the bits, and it's. Um, uh, but we we move on. We always state that look, you know, Fremantle City as a, as example, you know, has got its own uh, identity, standalone. Uh, but that's not to say that you can't uh, bring the, um, the the good cultural aspects of both Tricolore and Freeman United, you know, into the fold because those individuals are still there, you know, from forty years ago, thirty years ago, twenty years ago. Okay. So you can't you can't disrespect and brush that aside. They're actually they're actually part of the fabric of the of the new entity. That's yeah. There. And you bring the neutrals in on board as well.
0: Absolutely, I think it's in. I suppose the ingrain you need to celebrate your history and the path that you've taken and the contribution those clubs have made to where you are now. So um, wouldn't
3: exist without them.
0: Absolutely. So this season, um, or the last three seasons, you've really consolidated yourself in the, in the top four of, of the Division One. You're currently sitting in third place. Um, you're now in the last eight of the FA or the Very State exciting. Cup. Um, yes. You know... Things are looking really healthy. You've got Matt Sparrow, who's been at the club a little while now, um, who's just, not replaced, but seceded um, Cameron, uh, and that that seemed like a seamless transition. It was, Um, yes. So it seems to be coming together on the pitch and off the pitch.
3: Touchwood, we're still there, Sean. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to make a comment, actually, when I think about when I got involved in State League uh, football, say, back in 2014, um, the number of teams that are in State League One there were probably very few that had the um, capacity and ability, and particularly sustainability to get into the NPL. Right? Mm-hmm. You could you could barely count them on your on your on your, on your hands, right? Yeah. But now I look at the league. Now, I tell you what, you know, there is probably a good six, seven, eight.
0: It goes very ones. deep. It goes yeah, deeper abs- now, yeah. right? A lot thing,
3: deeper. Absolutely. So, and even when you look at the the games that are being played, you know, between the NPL and State League One, they're not, you know, uh, you know, they're not mountains apart in terms of. Um, uh, uh, quality is concerned, you know, it is that fine line and a bit of luck uh, to, to to get a result from one to the other. So no, I I'm actually really impressed with where you know state league football has actually moved, you know, closer to where the NPL is uh, right now. So there's a um, I think there was a there's an expectation that any state league one club that gets into the NPL is you know destined to be relegated. You know, the, the following yes. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't that statement can be
0: supported. Well, you've got to look at Sterling now where they are in, in the Olympic, they're, yeah. Yeah, they've both been up and, and stayed there, so that, that seems to be gone. So if you are fortunate enough to, to win the league, are you in a position to, to go up and, and stay up?
3: Absolutely. I think that now that the MPL standings shows that there is a what a five-point gap between like bottom and top or near enough, um, in the same way that state league clubs <laughs> Have got the ability to beat each other at any given point in time. Likewise, will apply to the NPL. And, and so, whether it's ourselves or any other club, um, my my greatest desire is to make sure that we don't have that uh, expectation of you know uh, non you know traditional MPL clubs uh, not being able to stay in that in that league.
0: I mm. you know, no, no, Look, the, the yo-yo effect has always been the mm. problem. Um, the next part of it would be, though, um, obviously, ground requirements, and I know that they've been um, yep. watered down over the years, and, and you've been gradually improving um, what you have at home. So, is that another part of it? You see teams complaining about lack of faci- facilities, mm. um, and when they're competing on sporting merit, going up, but then having to use someone else's ground when they get to the MPL. Sure, um, you know, I, I think. You, you can't really outgrow your facility, but your facility needs to grow to your ambition. So have you got plans in that area for... Um I think the
3: only thing that Fremantle lacks currently is probably uh, lights on yep. the main um, main ground. Uh, we had to play our cup round game um, thanks to uh, the Armadale uh, Football Club, Armadale Soccer Club, for, for hosting us uh, on the Tuesday night. Yep. And but you know what? Even, even if you do... You know, rise on sporting merit, as long as you can put into your feasibility into your forecast that you have to use another ground to be compliant, um, just make sure it doesn't send you broke, you know, doing so. You know, Hmm. another club, you know, gets the benefit of, you know, gate takings, bar takings, it's like then you become, yeah, severely disadvantaged. But Hmm. if you can, if you can, you know, achieve a a, a fair balance, you know, with another club, um, and it's for me, it's always about the sporting merit. I don't care where you play and what pitch you play on, and if you haven't got the facilities. But if you've got the team, which means that your your culture and your coaching and your yeah, your, your team is right, yeah. then I'd rather have that team in the EMPL as opposed to one that's got the you know, the best amenities, the best facilities, but you know they're an ordinary team because they've ticked you know all the boxes to become mm-hmm. compliant.
0: Yeah. yeah, but but I think the two go hand in hand, and I think you know if, as long as you're working on that. Other side, as well as just the, the players and sure. the coaching team. I think you know, you, if you've got a professional set up and you've got professional coaches and and players who are you know becoming more professional in their approach, then the club also needs to give them a suitable workplace, which is obviously a you know ultimately a small boutique statement yes. stadium which has seating for people. I find it difficult to countenance that you charge ten dollars to get into an NPL ground, but you have to bring your own chair and sit in the rain. <laughs> so. You know, I think it's Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you look I agree. at yeah. I agree with that. So uh, for me it's just that it's a balance of the two things and then obviously your relationship with the council is immensely important in that. I suppose from um a facilities side of things, lights now have become incredibly cheap in comparison to what they were years mm. ago <laughs> and also much, much cheaper to run with, with the you know, LED lighting now. Yes, correct. Two hundred lux is is quite achievable.
3: Yes, yes. Mm. Well, look, I'm very thankful to the glory for coming down to Fremantle because it's uh, motivated the, 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 the council into producing a facility down there at uh, Kermallon, uh, the old rugby pitcher yeah. down there, you know, in a far better state than where it was uh, before. Um, and I don't think our council particularly wants to lose another sporting club to Coburn, um, as they've done with you know, the Dockers and and the Rugby, the Roosters. So I think Fremantle City's... Soccer slash you know football club is the is the the major sporting um, club you know in in the Shire yeah right mm. and and, um, and it's in, it's important that they don't lose us by virtue of not you know looking after the facilities and giving us facilities at the same time
0: mm. yeah I look it's always a struggle most most of the clubs and I know from my own the the um, the facilities are sometimes a little old, you know, built in the 70s and um, what have you. Is is Ken Allen um, a viable proposition for you, um, maybe with, in conjunction with the Glory?
3: In the future, yes. I think Glory's got plans anyway to go to their own uh, new home ground. Hopefully it could be the uh, the new football uh, centre that's been uh, built. Yes and no. We some mm-hmm. heads nodding, you yeah. know, sideways <laughs> up and down, no yeah. way, you know. Um, But, yeah, of of course, course, course. I mean, Ken Allen's fully uh, fenced. Uh, They removed the old um, dilapidated grandstand. In fact, it's been uh, shut down right now because the facilities in terms of bathrooms, et cetera, are not functioning. They're not up up to code. But, absolutely, I think that would be a a great ground to – it would be a lot easier to convert Ken Allen into into an MPL facility Mm -hmm. than what it would be for uh, Hilton Park to do so.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, So, absolutely, I there's no reason why we can't coexist as well.
0: No, and that seems like a an ideal situation for you, the Glory, and for Free, Fremantle Council. So, yes. yeah, uh, I just you know, think it would be a, a worthwhile exercise. Um, your NPL ladies are doing extremely well as well. So yes. it's nice to see them going strong.
3: Yeah, there's um, – I think about the NPL ladies. They've now started to move uh, – it's off-field now uh, where they used to – to not get paid, okay? Yeah, some of them are now getting paid, and it's going to get better in terms of, uh, uh, I guess, compensation is concerned. But the good thing about the uh, the ladies I found in my own um, uh, prior experience was they love to play with their mates and their friends. Yes, as, yeah. as as opposed to to the to the men who you know want to play with the the best possible. Uh, team members, regardless whether they're friends or not. Or
0: if you listen to the rumours that the extra five bucks they're going to get playing for (laughs) another team. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit more than that,
3: actually. Uh, It's it's coming as a bit of a surprise that there are some other uh, clubs out there that, um, yeah, they're getting aggressive on particular players they want and and giving them some pretty good offers that we're not going to be able to, to, to match. Um, but good on them, good on them for you know, going down that pathway because I think it's an important
0: one. But I think with the NPL ladies, it was very much an amateur competition when it first kicked in mm. um, and yes. I know there's, there's been other entities joined in that were always going to raise the, the professionalism and I think you know, when we look at it from a, an equality position, really the NPL ladies should be able to pick up some, you know, some compensation. Absolutely. Yeah, because uh, they they train so they hard, should. Mm. and so they. Should. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you when you say they like to play with their friends, who's not friends with Tash Rigby? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yes. No, she's yeah, a, yeah. a wonderful lady. A oh, great pick up for your club as well. Yes. And she's, she's been there a few years now. So, but yeah, look, it, it just looks like it's really good. So you you mentioned your MPL juniors. Um, Whilst the MPL juniors is is very very important, what about the um, community juniors? Is that strong?
3: The good thing about the uh, the answer to the question is uh, yes, uh, they are, um, and they are only really strong because of the uh, the committee members who actually are passionate about those particular areas, whether it be the mini rules or in the in the junior leagues, um, and even from, well, forget about the the juniors uh, for a moment, hey. We've got you know uh, social teams and masters teams. Mm. Um, you know I'm still there with the masters, uh, but I haven't been able to get a game yet because of the the volume of players that we have. But I'm going to be starting tomorrow, right? <laughs> and that's like five, five games uh, in. Um, I, I just love the fact that it doesn't matter what the age groups uh, are, that um, we are we're grown in the right way in the sense of we don't have. You know, people that come to the club or teams that if they don't like what they see. Then they just get the whole team and then they go and move across to to another club. So, we we haven't had that, uh, had it, maybe four or five years ago. Yeah, but but not anymore. You know, it's um, people who are there. I feel genuinely want to be there, mm-hmm. uh, and that's uh, and that feels great.
0: How important is that though that people buy into the club and the culture and and then just. They're not mercenaries mm. in there for the extra five bucks or there mm. because they think they're going to win something. They're there for the right reasons.
3: It's important because you don't have a, a base or a foundation uh, of a club uh, without those individuals that are there for the, the right reasons. Mm. You're never going to stamp out the, the mercenaries or those who want to you know shift for one reason or another. But,
0: for You're us, gonna, that, but that's, you that's minimise minority. those numbers.
3: It, it, it's a minority. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, but you if they're give- up front, they put up the hand and say, "Listen, we 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 need this, yeah, um, because of these circumstances." Well, then, at least we're given the choice of whether we want to, you know, agree to you know, those sort of terms or not, and that doesn't matter where it comes yeah. from uh, at, at any level. Um, but if they, you know, come in, you know, beating their chest and saying one thing, but their actions, you know, show another, um, yeah, that's uh, that can be disappointing. But we don't burn bridges. We just, no. we just say, you know, it is it is what it is. We've seen it before. We'll see it again. <laughs> we just have to try and identify it to make sure that it's at a minimal.
0: You uh, mentioned situation. the Juventus Academy earlier on. Um, you've had that association for a, a good while now. Uh, eight
3: years now. Yeah. yeah.
0: How's, how's that going?
3: Yeah. Uh, look, aside from that COVID um, uh, blip uh, yeah. for, for a year, uh, well, we are going to Italy uh, in three weeks' time. Uh, I've got 20 children, 26 adults uh, competing in the UMF Academy World Cup. Uh, It's 82 academies around the world. Um, It's a a fun time. We go to Turin. We do the whole stadium tour, museum tour. We we spend time up in Baranekia in the ski slopes uh, as well, because that's where the tournament's been held. Um, The majority of my children don't actually play for clubs, Right, which is a bit, bit of a shame. Um, and it's only a shame because the parents who bring the children to our training sessions just want to have a training session. They don't want to have that commitment to the Sunday you know, junior leagues and mm. playing in there, which I, I just think to myself, there's just talent there that should be you know, playing games and, yeah. and, and and enjoying that side of it, which we don't, we don't offer that. But overall, I'm, uh, I'm happy with the, with the, the academy Um, and the association I have with other academies in this country and also um, a couple internationally as well.
0: Yeah, I I, I keep saying, I think when you're looking at grassroots clubs and, and, you know, the the Ollie Roos and and bringing kids, soccer roos rather, no, Socceroos is it, was it, Ozkick, no, I don't know. Roos, yeah, Mini Roos, that's it. Really, the, the job of those coaches in those younger age groups, eights, nines, tens, is really just to teach the kids to love the game so that that's that's, priority. that's the the number one priority because that's what will keep them coming back. Uh, you see a lot of these kids now that are focused on being in MPL, and if it, that dream dies at ten or eleven, mm. then all of a sudden they're not with the game anymore because mm. they're they're chasing an impossible dream rather than just loving the game. I mean, I'm on the wrong side of sixty, and, and I'm playing walking football and loving it. Yeah. Um. So I'm still involved in the game, and I think that's that's the important part. And I, I play it because I love it, not because it's yeah, you know, I'm going to achieve anything out of it. Mm. It's <laughs> Just Let's keep it active. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, the, the walking football's great for for someone okay. who isn't able to play masters anymore. Um, social connection, competing at the level I can compete at, um, and I, I meet lots of people that I played against when you know we were young men, and it's it's just great to to make those and re-establish those connections.
3: Mm. Oh, I've got a personal goal to set up the 55s plus uh, masters team at Fremantle. Next year, yeah, uh, with a target of competing in Denmark for the 70s plus uh, yeah. World uh, Cup, mm-hmm. right? So there is still you know, another at least I don't know 30 years left in me, so I want to make the most of it, uh, and that's not tongue in cheek. It's no. like. Intend to be the oldest man alive still playing this game in the Guinness Book of Records. Right? So <laughs> I know everyone laughs at it, but when it happens, you're no, no, like, it, oh, right, okay, well. Yeah, no,
0: there's been, what, 86 year olds, I think, Correct. still playing. Yes, so, yeah, right. look, it, whatever level you're at and you can compete, you know, but um, the walking football has over 50s, over 60s, over 70s. Um, so there's always some way to, to get involved in the game and, and keep an interest in the game. And then you've got the e-sports now where kids can mm. still play electronically. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah.
3: I must ask, where do you do your work, walk in uh, football? Which uh, which venue are you at? I
0: play on a, on a Monday night at Ashfield and then on the yep. Saturday morning at Fox 5's in Florida, So okay. Good turnouts? Yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: it's... um. Takes some convincing, but there's an there's a MPL coach that scoffed at us. He's in his 40s, mm. but for him, he comes and plays with us on a Monday night at Ashfield because um, it's, it's fun. It's like you said about the Juventus thing. It's, it's not something you have to sign up and commit to every mm-hmm. week, yeah. um, but it gets him out playing without getting injured, without in, in mm. too much time on him as a coach. Um, so, yeah, it works out really well. And then we've got 70-year-olds playing and Mm. a couple of guys who bring their kids with them as well. Nice. So, you know, and you see, it's quite interesting because we've got 16, 17-year-old boys that have been playing with us. And you see an improvement in how they look after a ball and how they move it. Because, you know, um, like most of us at the age we are, we don't move quickly, but we do make the ball do the work.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, all that stuff. It's functioning. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So, look, it's good. And there's a number of good competitions around. Um, Our next guest, Dean Bell, will talk to him about the Wanneroo set up. But they've got a very well-established walking football team, one of the older ones in. Um, Curtin have another one. Um, So there's there's plenty around. And then if you go down to the Peel region, um, there's lots going on down there. So, yeah, it's it's growing and and getting healthier. Ah,
3: Great to hear. Mm.
0: All right, Morris, thank you for being on. We're going to go to a break and we'll be back after that with um, Dean Bell from Wanneroo. All right, thanks, Sean.
4: Thanks, guys. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station Sponsor
5: You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers, just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian Local Football News.
0: station on your radio dial, radio. we oh, FM. <laughs> okay, now well we're back in the room <laughs> and we <hid> Our next <laughs> guest in the background running a football club like any good president should do. Um, there were some results from last week. Yeah, from last week. So in the NPL, is my mic on? Yeah. Okay,
1: in the NPL last week, uh, Belcata-Etna, 2-1 winners over Perth. Uh, yeah. May have been an inspiration for the, the off-field decisions you were talking about yeah. earlier. Uh, Bayswater City 2-1 over Armadale, uh, Olympic Kingsway 2-1 over Perth Glory, Sorrento had a 3-1 home win over Florida Athena, uh, Perth Red Star 2-1 away win over Inglewood United and Sterling Macedonia, Coburn City played out a nil-all draw.
0: Wow. Okay. All good results from last week. Um, this week we're going to talk to the second division uh, Wanneroo president, which is Dean Bell. Dean, good morning. How are you?
6: Morning, gents. How are we?
0: Good, mate. Sounds like you're busy out there. What was that? Sounds like you're busy out there.
6: It is busy out here, yes. uh, We've got Junior Cup games this morning, but uh, we've uh, both been knocked out now, so uh, that's a bit of a sad way to start a day, but, you know, it was a good game, good result. You know, played in good spirit, so that's the main thing.
0: Yeah, that's all you can ask for. I think we're doing much the same over at Ashfield with our um, lads playing in the cup game before the, the state league starts. But it, for the, the kids that are, are playing out there, um, on on your main pitch? Yeah, absolutely,
5: yeah. mate. Yeah. So, I
0: mean, it's all that connection stuff that they can see themselves going through to the next level, playing in your 18s, playing in the you know, the resi's first team. So, um, you yeah, know, good on you for doing that. I think it's uh, important that the boys feel connected.
6: Oh yeah, we've we've implemented a lot of that this year. Our um, our first team coach Howard tweets actually goes and runs junior sessions um, before state league sessions this year and um, on a Wednesday, a specialised session as well. So we've had a lot more engagement with the state league and juniors this year.
0: So, so from a, a club perspective, I mean, Wanaru, you've you've been around since well in different um, guises, I think. Well, I looked.
6: 1975,
0: like, yes. Yeah, well, uh, 1976 is on the the dot uh, net or Football WA dot net page, but they've also got you down as Perth City from 1893. I'd be claiming that one, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
6: You don't believe everything you see on social media, do you?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honest. You know, I I go and see Doctor Google every day. I wouldn't live without that. Um, <laughs> but you know look you've been established in that area for an awful long time um so you i remember playing there in the late 80s against Wanneroo British when your club rooms were just a shed so um you've you've been around a fair while um you you compete on on a number of different levels so your juniors are uh, are healthy
6: yes yeah juniors are healthy we're about uh, what about 420 uh junior junior uh, registrations so
0: Mm. Quite healthy there. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, Basically,
6: uh, two teams in every age bracket.
0: And you compete in the the amateurs and uh, veterans?
6: Yeah, amateurs. We've got um, both 4th Division amateurs. We've got our 35s and our 55s team. Um, We've also got uh, Women's Metro as well. Um, Next year, there's a push to to get a girls team up. We've got a lot of girls playing in the boys competition, which I think is good for the development. But... um, uh, we're looking to push into girls' football next year and with a bit of a push. So I've got a couple of community members keen to get that up and going.
0: Yeah, I seem to remember um, Ty Carp and um, obviously um, Sam Kerr both playing in, in the men's divisions or the boys' divisions as, as kids growing up. So yeah. um, I think it's made them a lot stronger.
6: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've got a couple of cracking young girls that play in our 14s team, uh, 14 Metro Div 2, I, I believe. Yeah, and they're cracking young players. Mm.
0: And then you also at the the other end of the scale, you've you've got your walking football.
6: Absolutely, walking football. It's a lot tougher than people think.
0: It is, <laughs> uh, and look, it's it, it's really a good way of socially connecting. But there's a lot of people that I know were involved in your club over the years who are still involved in the club and I suppose that's the key that you've got a lot of these guys between 50 and 70 still out there playing but they've also now got that connection with your club.
6: Oh 100% it's it's a great concept um we just uh have it every Wednesday night down here uh from 7 through till about 8:30 if we uh make it that long yep. and then um the boys come in have a a social beverage and head off home and it's just it's good for the social side of it really to you know the guys get out the house and get a break and um you know engage in a bit of bit of small talk
0: and i think you've got uh, 3 that are currently out in switzerland um Correct, with, yes. with the uh, exiles
6: yeah yeah so we had a uh, yeah a small contingent go over for the the world masters games i believe it
0: was yeah yeah it's and, the uh,
6: it's
0: yeah the the walking football world cup actually i think from Mark yeah, my saying is they finished in fourth so not bad for a little team from from wa
6: yeah, no, it's a, it's good. Uh, look, it's it, it's it's good at club level. It, it's it's good at uh, community level as well. You know, It gets people out and about and re-engaging with the, their uh, local community too.
0: Absolutely, and I suppose that's that's the thing with with the local community out there. You've got a lot of football clubs. You've got some very noisy neighbours. Um, oh, I mean, great neighbours. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's a, it's a great rivalry. But also um, with that congested corridor up there, and you know people complaining about ground availability and, and having homes um, because they've been around for X amount of years. Um, you've been there since 76. The As I said, the, the club rooms were just a big white shed. It's mm-hmm. now a lot bigger, a lot more developed. You've done all that work on the the playing field and the um, block work around it. Um, you seem to be doing both the on-field development but also the... The infrastructure development, so you're not outgrowing your facility, and you you you've 430 kids. That's um, you know you're managing all of that on one one precinct.
6: Yeah, well, look, I mean, it's great, and it's it's a tough thing. It's a balance between you know outstripping your facilities and you know growing your club, and you know you can't you can't grow greater than the facilities you have available. Um, You know, look, you can look at satellite grounds and all that, but then you get a disconnect. And we're in a fortunate position where. You know, we've got two full-size pitches and a, you know, a couple of um, fifty by nineties. So, you know, it, it allows us to do that. So we have access to four um, fields plus, you know, our small side of fields, which is, it's you know something that a lot of clubs don't get. Um, but you know, two teams in every age group, from eight through to you know, eighteens on a on a um, junior level, and then you've got your your amateurs, your masters, your women's leagues. It it takes up the fields, and you know we're really almost at capacity now and, you know, it's a comfortable level to be at, you know. I mean, there's clubs out there with, you know, 1,600 members, but, you know, that's not us, you know. We no. we like to keep... Uh, keep in touch with all our members and you know, you know who they are. I mean sixteen hundred people it's just wow, it blows my mind. I congrats to the time that have that. So
0: <laughs> But the other thing is that you you know you're on one site so that you've you've got the benefit of being able to manage what you have on the one site. You're not spread over two or three venues. You're not yeah. sharing sharing that with um, other people, so, you know, despite having... And we
6: don't share with other sports either, so it's, yeah. that's an even b- bigger blessing. Yeah.
0: And, and how important is that to you as a club? You've got that facility 12 months of the year, um, there's no oh. cricket being played on it, or baseball?
6: Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, we we pay the price for it. Obviously, a book the yeah. all year round, and there's a cost involved in doing that, but, you know, I mean, it's the cost of doing business, and it allows us to do, you know, night series, and you know, we can start pre-season early at the club. We're not having to go, you know, do beach training or, you know, go off to a, another park and run around a park, you know. The boys have access to the club where we've got, you know, we're working on a on a rehab room. We've got ice baths now. We've got, you know, a physio room. We've got things that, you know, they can train at the club and use those facilities, you know. We're looking to have an on-site gym as well in the near future.
0: Mm. Yeah, I know. Look, it, And that's what I'm saying about that continuous growth um, is, is so important. Um, so your amateurs and your state league train on the same nights or you, you spread your training out across all five nights? Yeah, no, amateurs
6: and state league are uh, same nights. Um, so uh, masters are on uh, only one night a week on a Thursday. Um, then Wednesday nights we have the Metro men's, women's and the 35s train on the Wednesday evening.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, kids, we, all the kids uh, train pretty much Monday to Friday in yep. varying age groups. Um, so we basically just break everything up into two time slots. I have a junior time slot from, you know, 5 till uh, sort of 6.30 and then a senior from 7 till 8.30 and there's that little bit of half-hour overlap time. So,
0: And how do you go for volunteers? Like most presidents, I think any time I've gone to Wannaroo, no matter what night I've gone, you're there. Um, are there other oh, people look, involved?
6: <laughs> yeah, look, we've got, to be fair, I, I'm, I'm here a lot more now but I'm doing a lot less. Yeah. Um, well, I've got a lot of people working their bums off in the background. Um, you know, I have a fantastic secretary. I have a couple of fantastic ladies doing the, the canteen bar and, and cleaning the club. You know, it's all the little things that happen behind the scenes that people don't see. They turn up to a club and think it just happens. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a guy that manages the bar for me now, and he makes sure that, you know, it's full of beer all the time, which That's, is yep. which is key, you know. I mean, Highly important. But it, you know, I mean, everyone seems to think the beer fairies come in and just stock the fridge up. They don't realise you actually have to go pick it up and uh, put it in the fridge.
0: Yeah, it's all those little one percenters so, that, that make a, a club grow. Um, absolutely. You, you've been involved also with the State League Standing Committee. We just had Maurice Sateri in. Um, what, what do you think needs to happen in, in the local football scene to improve things for um, State League clubs and, and clubs in general?
6: Well, I mean, look, I mean, number one, we we put the game first. I mean, you can't go and push your club barrow all the time. You've got to put the game first, and you've got to sit down and look at, you know, what's good for the game. You know, I think we need to look at, you know, age brackets. You know, as the kids get older, you get a lot of drop Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, maybe from 15s, we look at going 15s, 17s, 19s in junior football. Mm. I mean, kids develop later these days, so, you know, a lot of them at 19 aren't ready to go and play amateurs or metros, for that matter.
0: No, and you know. I suppose that's that's the other thing is, uh, and I was saying to Morris about having kids that enjoy and love the game first and foremost, who are not just, you know, all on this, I'm going to become a professional football tra- trajectory, and when that looks mm. like it's not going to happen, it's going to fall off. You know, you look at that, the walking football team, every single one of those boys is playing because they love the game.
6: Yeah, correct. I mean, look, we're, we're, we're a club that sort of, in many fields, and, you know, we we pro- try and provide an elite pathway. We also provide a, a social uh, environment. Um, we, pl- you know, provide women's football, obviously, you know, walking football, as you say, over 55s. So we're here to provide football to all, yep. not just to a limited uh, market. Um, so, look, I mean, I, I see improvement in football around the place you know, in terms of, you know, changing that the MPL from 20s, move away from 20s because, you know, basically you're telling the kid if he's not made the first team by his 20s, he's washed up. Mm.
0: And particularly when you, you know, look at, you know, some of the the centre-halves and, and goalkeepers in particular, um, some of them don't mature until quite late. And, you know, oh, I correct. think if you look in Europe, the, the youth leagues are, go up to 24s, which I think is a much better number mm. um, than, you know, 20s.
6: Yeah, oh look, 23s would be ideal, you know. Yeah. I mean, you look at international competitions, you know, they're, they're you know 19s, 20s, 21s, you know, 23s. So mm. I think, look, to tell a kid he's washed up at 20 is a bit, bit much. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we have this stigma around the uh, the three magic letters, MPL. Yeah. Um, you know, and you get some really good 20s players that get turned away from MPL clubs, then you try and bring them into a state league system, and they go, oh no, you are only state league. I yeah, if you want to play football or not? So, yeah. look, there's there's lots of pros and cons. Um, I think MPL as a destination is is not the key. NPL is a a brand um, standard. It's a, it's a is brand. It's all it is.
0: It's, it's, it's just a brand, and it's not a, a be all and end all. And if you say it to anybody else, MPL you know, what it means nothing at the end of the day. And I think you know, um, it's limiting in some ways. Um, you know, we've got a number of kids who've been through MPL systems who realise that 2021 they're not going to make it, but they've come into state league setups and now playing regular first team games, which they could have been doing if they'd come a bit earlier. But you know, um, the NPL isn't the be all and end all.
6: Oh no! Look, I mean, it's it's a great competition, mm. but you know, like everything, it's flawed, and we need to look at it and be honest about it and you know people need to get their heads together and work out look it's flawed there's got to be a better way let's work it out you know Absolutely. we've got football people involved at football west now they need to start being football people and changing football
0: mm-hmm. yeah i don't disagree with you at all um and i think that's Sometimes people forget that the game is owned by the, by the people in the game, not not by the administrators or by anybody else. Your your club mm. belongs to your members, not you. Um, and it's the same. Oh, correct, hundred percent. Yeah, it's the same for the the competition belongs to the teams, not to the the governing body. And it's yeah. Sometimes people forget where they are and what they're actually there for.
6: Mm. I mean, look. I mean, I I got involved in a standing committee because. Um, a person that was in a position at Football West told me, the only way we only administer the game for you, it's up to you to to write the rules. Now, from being on a standing committee, is that 100% true and correct? No. You know, I mean, it's a bureaucracy, and we need to cut all that out, to be Mm. fair. You know, I mean, you you only have to look at social media pages. I don't comment on it. I'll I'll read it and have a giggle to myself, but... You know, you look at what's there and everyone blasts Football West and blasts standing committees. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's a people's game. If people want change, step up, be proactive and do something about it.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself, Dean.
6: So, you know, look, I'm all for the the boys on the keyboard warriors and all the rest of it and highlighting all the things. But they're highlighting things that people already know. So yeah. that have got
0: to be changed, but they're also so, blaming people that can't be blamed for things. I, I saw um, something about the A League the other day, and apparently the the, the woes with our A League team, a football Westfold. I don't know how that <laughs> came about, but yeah, I think sometimes they they raise some important points in in quite inappropriate ways, but that then starts the the right conversation. Yeah. Oh,
6: yeah. correct. I mean, look, there's there's no bad press. It's just <laughs> it, it, it it highlights stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean. I mean, as I said, if we all believed everything that was written on social media, then the world would be in a really strange place. Yes,
0: yeah, certainly would be, mate. All right, um, I've got my next guest waiting in the aisles. Um, all going well out there at, at uh, Wanneroo. You're playing today?
6: Yeah, we got uh, curtain today. So uh, hopefully we can get three points and um, put us back in the top four, hopefully.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's... I have a soft spot for Wanaru since you got done over when the MPL started. You, you won the team, oh, won, won the league. Yeah. Yeah, your coach at the time has now made it with with a team that he was coaching. So,
6: yeah, yeah, no, look, um, yeah, it uh, it was a bit of a kick in the stomach. Uh, it was my first year on the on the job, so. Yeah. I, I, was, I was the president and got the club relegated and a few people haven't let
0: me uh, let that go but. <laughs> uh, I don't know I mean the, the thing is a lot of players exited didn't they at that time so, yeah, yeah. so
6: it, it, it's football you know yeah. I mean you, you live and you learn every, every day is a learning experience and uh, there's not a day goes by that I don't learn something new
0: yeah but I think the the other thing is it's your reputation within the football community and, and you know wherever I go I very rarely hear anyone talk bad of Wanneroo or, or the way Wanneroo operates so I think that speaks volumes about yourself and and the club in a whole.
6: Oh, well, look, that's, I mean, like anybody, it's, you know, you in a position where you try and enforce, you know, not enforce, but, um, you know, share your values with other people and hopefully everyone goes along on, on the same journey. So uh, we're lucky that I've got, you know, a great group of volunteers, great group of coaches, and we all share a similar philosophy about football, so.
0: Absolutely. Dean, thank you very much for your time and good luck out. good luck out there this afternoon.
6: No worries,
0: Sean. Thanks, Pete. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Okay. Um, yeah, Wanneroo. I mean, one of the, the honest clubs out there toiling away and, and look, really good feel when you go out there. I've been out and yep. played at their walking football recently and, yeah, just a good bunch of guys. It feels like you've played walking football a few places around there. Yeah, I'm a bit of a...
1: Pen, look, Penn said she went and played walking football with you guys. At Wanneroo, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she said it was more than just walking. She said it, it was... At a much faster pace than she expected.
0: There are some people that do take it a little too far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not quick enough to do that. But, yeah, there were some. Yeah, I think it's fun. And, and it's the whole point of it. And, and, again, the quality side of it, Penn counted for herself extremely well. Yeah. Um, I, I would play another game with Penn any day of the week, whether she's in goal or out on the pitch. Yep. Yep. Um, she's got a really nice shoulder fake. She just drops <laughs> her shoulder. She's gone around these guys and they're just looking at it. No, it's good. Good player. Alrighty, we're going to go break and we'll be back after this with the Lost Lioness, Hayley Roach.
2: Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432. Seven four five one four zero, or simply at www.footsalwa.org.au
4: You're listening to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny tanner Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. You're
0: listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Hey. Nice calling voice, that one. <laughs> it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, division, division 1 uh, results from last week.
1: Yeah, Division 1. So last week, um, Subiaco AFC had a 4-2 win over Guelup Croatia. Mandurah City 5-0 over Joondalup United. Rockingham City 2-1 over Gosnell City. Western Knights hosted Fremantle City, but Fremantle came away 5-1 with the win yes, there. Yes,
0: big uh, win.
1: Field United, yeah. 2-1 uh, over UWA Netherlands, and Dinella White Eagles had a 2-1 win over Mum FC.
0: Marvellous, and they're all games out there this afternoon. If you want to go out and watch a game, there's quite a few games going on. Mm-hmm. Um, joining us now is the Lost Lioness in Hayley Roach. Hayley, good morning. How are you? Hey, good
7: morning.
0: I'm fine, thank you. Um Good to hear from you. But you last time I spoke to you, you were in Sydney. Now you're in Adelaide. Are you on a trip, or are you just lost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like I'm a little bit of a gypsy travelling around Australia. Um,
7: yeah, no, I've, I've come here for work, actually. So, uh, work in touch up with a few friends and uh, hang out in Adelaide for a little bit. So, um, yeah. So this week you find me in Adelaide. Who knows where you might find me the next
0: time we speak? <laughs> it sounds like you're living your best life. <laughs>
7: Yeah, I can't complain. We're
0: doing okay. Now the the big news out here this week has obviously been the, the women's FA Cup final, which Chelsea won one nil, um, yeah. with a particular long, young lady banging in her third consecutive goal in her third consecutive um FA Cup. I mean, to be in three finals and to score in them is phenomenal. Um but yeah, she's um, finally won the FA Cup and obviously from a West Australian perspective, we love that girl and so so glad to see her doing so well.
7: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think um, uh, Sam Kerr is an incredible uh, player and she just proved time and time again on the big stage, I think Faye's the most amazing instincts for scoring goals um, and of course that uh, FA top final was played in front of a record crowd at Wembley mm-hmm. 77,390 and that is a world record for women's domestic club match so um, a pretty um, unique, well, an amazing milestone in this amazing trajectory of women's football that we that we are so you know, I'm delighted to be in the midst of and to be able to witness um, but yes, a uh, brilliant for Santa Chelsea are I think, pretty unstoppable right now from a women's uh,
0: domestic league football perspective. Yeah, they're, they're a powerhouse and they've got so many good players. I mean, the young lady to put, that put... That cross was what made the goal. Um, you know, yes, it takes a certain ability to to get to that and, and the finesse to finish it, but the, the cross itself was sublime.
7: It was, and actually, in breaking news, um, Pete, uh, that one cross was done by Peniel Harder and both her... And uh, Magdalene Erickson from Chelsea have just announced, or the club has just announced that they um, will be leaving Chelsea at the end of this season. So, uh, so big, big news for Chelsea. That's gonna, you know, that's, that's going to be tough. They're going to have to look to to recruit. So, I think they're going to be all out um, to, to to you know claim this uh, this league title. Yes, um, with those two girls looking to looking to leave at the end of this season because oh, they are a so, massive part of the
1: team. Uh, apparently, Pernil grew up as a diehard Manchester United fan, so whether that's related to it or not, but
7: well, the rumor on the streets um, is Germany is okay. that they that the pair of them might be going to Germany. Uh, they came, I think. Um, I think Pernil came from Germany. I think she came from Volks, uh, Wolfsburg. Uh, probably not. Yes. Yeah. Correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Wolfsburg. Um, yeah. So, and of course, they're in the UEFA um, Champions League final in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. um, against Barcelona. So, uh, so yes, I mean, and they are—they're a powerhouse of German, German football. Um, so, whether or not uh, she might go back there or go back to the German league, but that's the rumours. Um, again, you know, just rumor mill at this stage. It's only been forty-eight hours since they announced. That the pair were leaving um, Chelsea
5: at the end of the season,
0: so we'll see. Interested to see where they go. Yeah. Now, when England started to take the women's game seriously, and the women's Super League really sort of took off, it was only a year or two ago. But yeah, you've already said that they um, a world record crowd for a domestic game. Um, is is England where it's at at the moment, or is the 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 German game or the Spanish game going to to surpass it?
7: Spanish, the Spanish game is pretty strong. I mean, they got uh, they got a record of uh, one thousand ninety-one thousand six hundred forty-eight at the new Camp um, mm-hmm. last uh, last Champions League semi final, which was that was I an mean, that was like the first big massive um, crowd. And the Champions League final on the second of June, that's in Eindhoven this year, has already sold out. So that's sold out weeks before. Um, to matches, you know, even to, t- to take place, which is an incredible uh, achievement and record, and just shows where uh, European football, women's football, is um, certainly. Um, and, uh, and fingers crossed, I'm hoping um, that Australia, you know, does break some records as well this this winter.
0: Yes, yeah. Well, there's a lot of of girls competing in um, in the English leagues, and I think the the big game this weekend will be. The Arsenal Chelsea game, um, which would have a massive impact on the uh, the title. There's what two yeah. games, two games left. I think Chelsea have got yeah. um, Arsenal, then Reading, and I think Manchester United play Man City, which is never a, a gimme. Yeah, I mean these are massive fixtures
7: this weekend for the Women's Super League. Absolutely massive. Yeah, you're right. Chelsea versus Arsenal um, at, at home for Chelsea, Kings Meadow just coming off the back of that FA Cup win. So uh, that match, I reckon, uh, that's going to be tough for Arsenal to go into into their territory and try and do some damage. But who knows? And then, of course, yeah, we've got Man United versus Man City. What a fixture uh, that is going to be. So the top four teams are in action this weekend, and let's see where it all lands. Mm. Very exciting times for for the Women's Super League. Um, And in other news, Arsenal um, ladies, I think, have just confirmed some actual fixtures at the Emirates Stadium. So I think this is the the future of women's football in the UK is that the the men's stadiums are looking now, um, you know, to host some of these fixtures. So for for a progression of the women's game, that's another step on that that ladder. Um, And, yeah, they're, they're filling out stadiums.
6: Brilliant
0: news for the sport. So, from a um, media perspective, um, the coverage of the women's game in the UK is is strong. The yeah,
7: it's um, it has taken it's taken, uh, it's taken um, off again. Only in the, you know really in the last couple of years, um, the BBC and ITV and the, the national domestic um, uh, terrestrial TV. Have, have really got behind it and, and started taking it seriously mm. um, and, there's, and, and I was actually doing some researching uh, just some research the other day and all the men's football clubs now support they have as much uh, exposure for the women's teams on their club website as they do the men mm. which is and it, it's Quite a small thing, and especially people now just googling, you know, winning teams, whatever you can, it comes up really easy. But there was a time where you had to search for information, even on the net, to be able yeah. to, mm. you know, get information on planets. So, um, you know, from a digital perspective and an online perspective, it's it's there. You can watch stuff, you can find stuff.
0: But also, um, the the subtle change for me is that it's now about the football rather than about the relationships and the the sensationalization of the the women's looks or uh, mm-hmm. yeah. body sizes yeah. that that are important it's now uh, and look I've I've long said this I, I I never refer to Sam Kerr as the female football player I refer Sam Kerr He's the football player yeah.
3: and
7: yeah.
0: that's really that's, where where absolutely. we need to be and I think you is know Yeah, losing all of that superfluous stuff and concentrating on the football is a massive step forward.
7: It is. And the narrative changed actually a little bit with the Women's Euros last summer. You know, when all of a sudden there was this, oh, actually, this is really good football. Doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter that it's men's or women's, this is good football. And actually, this has got less drama than the men's football. Um, You know, this is tough, well played, um, entertaining you know, good football. And so all of a sudden, you're right, that narrative did change and people were, it was, we were talking about the skill and the, you know, ability and, you know, all that as opposed to uh, it's a girl, um, you know, the can't kick, the can't run, or the keeper, the keeper's not as agile as the men. but comparing yeah. that, yeah. but it's now being viewed in its own right, just like any other sport. We don't compare the men's tennis to the women's tennis or whatever, no. you know, it's, it's used in its own right so I, you're right absolutely and the narrative had to change didn't it you know yes. because we couldn't keep talking about this forever and ever um you know and now I think it's it's proven um that uh, there are you know girls women that can play football because look at look at where we're at and look at what we're seeing um and the likes of Samka are just their world role models now Yes. Um, uh, and uh, and so yeah, so now, and, and the kids growing up now that haven't gone through that history, you know, they just see it for what it is. This is brilliant, um, you know. So yeah, I am. I'm also thrilled that we just really talk the women's football. You're right, but that will come in time. Um, well, and we just call
0: it football. I thought recently there was a, a, an interesting backlash to uh, comments by Robbie Slater when yeah. he said that, um, you know. Um. Tim Cahill is still Australia's greatest footballer, and that Sam Kerr shouldn't no. be compared to him. And you're thinking, hang on, she's been in, nominated in the top three to five in the world in the last three years. She's been in so many you know, FA Cup finals. Um, yeah, she she's got a vertical leap he, he, just as good as his, um, and compared on football merit, yeah, okay she's She's playing at the the highest level within her game yeah. and if Tim Cahill had been in the top three players in the world or in a reckoning for the top three players in the world, we'd have lost our minds over it. Mm. and yet we're <laughs> because it's women's yeah. football it's, it doesn't seem to matter as much. I think it matters as much. Yeah, agreed. Um,
7: you know and I, we're still going through that perception change we're still going through attitude change uh, you know and we've still got that recognition uh, that you know there are still those people out there. Um, you know, with with that kind of um, mindset and that attitude, and uh, but I think you, you're right. You've got to look on paper, and, and these girls and women are they're, they're, they're as good or achieving more um, than what some of the men have done in in their comparative sport. So, um, and yeah, sometimes that um, people still kind of like make that. Comparison um, in terms of like
0: for like, but yeah, on our own merits, absolutely. Mm. Um, right now, probably the best footballer in Australia, regardless whether it's men or women. Yeah, and where do you see us in, in terms of the, the the world best players for women? And we're all very. Obviously, very biased, and, and think <laughs> that she should be already the the Ballon d'Or winner. Do you think she's getting there? Do you think she's been taken seriously in her own right, and that her stances or presence as an Australian is not hampering her in that decision? Well, I'd
7: like to I'd like to think not. Um, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm being honest, I don't quite understand. There's a scoring system, isn't there, for the Ballon yeah. d'Or? winner uh or you know player um but um clearly Santos has got to be backing up those statistics um and let's see you know in the next 12 months um what 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 that does i mean it was a surprise alexia peteus actually still managed to pick up the ballon ball winner uh champion's uh, trophy yeah and she hadn't and she'd been out with an acl injury hadn't played in the euro and hadn't played any domestic football for a while so um you know, that was still incredible that she still managed to collect that trophy, but no, uh, uh, I all down on point. Um, and yes, yeah, Samper's got it got to be up there for consideration for next year for sure.
0: Mm. So, in terms of, of the, the women's super league, um, and its presence within European football, it's certainly, um, growing and it seems to be the destination for lots of women across the world um, and particularly Australians there seems to be a lot of Australians playing now out, out of UK teams um, you know Mackenzie Arnold's the goalkeeper at West Ham. I, I just had a look through yeah. of
1: the 12 teams only three of them don't have an Australian on the books so nine of the 12 teams in the Women's Super League have an Australian playing for them. Yeah so
0: and I, th- I think that's important again as, as the well, for Australia that we are competing in in one of the strongest leagues in Europe, but also for, um, you know, again, the men's competition. I think we just celebrated someone who's um, got his first game in in the EPL. But, Mm. you know, there's a lot of women now playing at the very highest level in the UK league, which is is important for Australia as a nation. But also their contribution to that league is very important. And you look at players like Caitlin Ford and what she's been doing at Arsenal.
7: Yeah, no, it agrees. And I think for the Matildas, um, you know, you've got some really key players there that are playing at the top, uh, one of the top leagues in in Europe. And and that is only good for for their development and for the, you know, and for the Matildas. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm again just thrilled that uh, the Women's Super League, it's growing. Um, It's, you know, it's been competitive. It's been taken seriously. uh, And we're producing some amazing uh, crowds and matches and bringing bringing some great players that are producing some really great football that is being showcased around the world uh, i mean i can't imagine how many times sam kerr's goal from the fa cup final was watched uh, at the weekend mm-hmm. uh, it was on every news channel I, I switched on the tv and it was all over social media uh, and that kind of exposure and uh, the only other thing that I wanted to mention this morning was uh, Sam Kerr is the most amazing footballer. And I and I can't wait to see her perform in the Women's World Cup this summer. Yep. And, I, and I'm and i looking forward to just being in her presence, being huh. in the stadium, and knowing that I can watch uh, quality, you know, a player of Sam Kerr's quality, in this, um, you know, in this kind of century, um, because she is probably going to go down as one of the greatest players, um, certainly uh, for this era, I reckon. So, cause, um, yeah,
0: she's she's got it all. Oh, look, absolutely, and she's up there with some of the greats. And you know, we, we look at people like Marta. I think she'll be mentioned in yes. the in the same breath, mm-hmm. Lucy Bronze. Aubrey. You know, there's um, yeah. Megan Rappenhoe, All of them. You know, she she's in that. Elite class, and I think it's yeah. you know highly important for the game here. And I think you know uh, someone, and you made the same point I made. Someone said that she, she's a great national role model. She she is a, a global role model. She, not yeah, not just for absolutely she
7: is yeah. Um, and listening to your um, to your earlier guests talking about the development of girls and women's football, um, you know, on, at the grassroots level, yeah. and what this tournament will do. For participation, the clubs need to be ready because I saw it in the UK last summer with the Euros. And, you know, every single age group, almost in every single county now, is populated and wants to play. Girls want to play. Mm -hmm. Uh, Schools are now getting behind uh, a national programme. So I think we'll see uh, um, a trifold increase in participation. Um, after after this tournament for for local football and that's only going to be great for for the Matildas and for Australian
0: sport going forward. And I suppose look moving forward with that, you, know, you can feel the excitement building in the game now. Is that level of expectation for the Matildas? We we know we've got a good side. We know we've got some of the best players in the world now playing in there. It's not just um, not Sam just not just Sam Kerr. You've got other yeah. you know. Caitlin Ford is in there. There's uh, countless others that are are now emerging as some of the best players in the world. So that, going from being the underdogs where we we had, you know, a couple of little battlers with one or two sticking their heads up, we're now a very capable and confident team. And the expectation, I think, will be that if we don't make the the final, um, there might be some air of disappointment around that. But, you know, it's an elite competition with so many variables in it um, that, you know, I hope that's not the case.
7: Yeah, um, agreed. It, the pressure that's going to be on the Matildas will be insane. But also, it's a home tournament for them. So you've got to use that um, advantage. Again, I saw it last year in the Women's Euro. Home tournament for, for the Lionesses. and uh, Make the most of it. So, yep. um, you know, we've got... It's going to be tough. You're right, it's going to be tough. This is the um, world's the best the best teams in the world and i love saying that because i got very excited last year when i saw the best teams in europe you know come to my come to my uh my turf if you like and now we've got the best teams in the world coming here so it's yeah. going to be a very exciting tournament it's going to be tough because they're the best teams in the world, right? And to get to the final, you're, you're, you're going to have to play tough. There's going to be no easy game.
0: Absolutely. Really. It's in, and it's in your backyard, you know. It's it's tangible, it's touchable. I know when um, my club hosted the Glory Women you know, we, we had um, Sam Kerr playing in that particular team. In fact, the, one of the pitches they used to advertise her winning her goal or getting the goal in the Chelsea game um, was in a goal mouth at my club and I, I put those nets up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you feel connected to it. But, you know, yes. at that particular time, I think um, the German goalkeeper, Angler, who was the, the Ballon d'Or winner that year, was there right. in my backyard playing you know and it yeah. wasn't just her there were other people for you know american english and all national team players who were basically some of the world's best and and they're there right in your backyard we're going to have that plus because every single one of these people playing in those top five teams will be household names yeah yeah no
7: absolutely it's it's so exciting I, I think we're on to about 70 days to go. we're, we're nearly sure we're nearly we're nearly touching um you know, when England, the Lionesses, I think they fly out in, in June sometime. I think they've got a month's preparation um, uh, before they before the tournament starts. You know, they're taking this very very seriously. Um, so uh, it's nearly here, and I'm very 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 excited. So anybody who's listening who hasn't got tickets yet, you've got to because you don't want to miss out on this tournament.
0: And I think the other thing with, with Australia, with the the, the multinational um, make up of Australia, there's no team's not going to have support you know you look at uh, Denmark there's there's a large Danish community here um even you know Nigerians um it doesn't matter English Italians everybody you know has an affinity to some ethnic group so wherever teams are, are located they're going to have a strong um local following which will kind of make it feel like home to them yeah and I think um I've seen I've worked on
7: a lot of these tournaments around the world and what I've seen is that the, the local community becomes very proud that they are the host or that they are... I mean, you're right, it doesn't matter whether it's France, whether it's Denmark, whether it's Morocco. Um, the local community still become very proud of the team playing and having their base camp in, you know, in their facility. So, uh, so automatically, they it's funny how it just happens. You want to make them feel welcome and people put flags out um, and that kind of stuff. And, um, and even if you go and watch a game that's not the Matildas or, you know, it's not the, you know, your kind of national team, the quality of the football is the best in the world. And we want to make sure that when those teams are coming here, we give them, you know, it's a World Cup. So, um, you know, we want to make sure those stadiums are full and that they walk out to that pitch. They kind of take that away and that inspires them to, you know, have great matches. And again, you know, whether it's like, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't matter who the teams are, the crowd automatically somehow, you know, um, you know, support the two teams. Yeah. So it's not it's not like, yeah, that... Um, I can't imagine there's gonna be, you know, too many uh visiting fans from Haiti that come here, but the the local the local uh, crowd will will still support and get behind, you know, all of the teams that come and play here. Oh without a doubt. Incredible yeah there's a very strong
0: incredible very strong Irish community within Perth. And I know the Irish game has been packed out. There's lots of people who love Danish bacon, so they'll follow them as well. So, you know, um, you, you find whatever tenuous link you have, you know, any link will do. Um, so I think the the games here will be well supported. The, the one thing I'm not seeing at the moment, and I, I think, you know, we'll probably see it in the next few weeks, is the, the media starting yeah. to, to build up the excitement. And I know, you know, like the flags in the streets and I know through the centre of Perth they normally have um, flags hanging from the the light posts and things to advertising so So I think whilst the the people who are in the game are excited it's it's how do we draw the rest of the people in yeah
7: yeah so the the host city dressing like normally um, again my experience is that that isn't going to go up until you know a few weeks out of the tournament yeah Um, uh, um, yeah that's that's just the way that is but once the the host cities start becoming to be dressed as we call it yeah. um, you know and they get the signage up they get the banners up that's when you know the real kind of excitement it, it becomes real then for the yeah. communities and you know so um, so yeah once we see that um, I think definitely uh, that all that will start and I think we have still got we're not we've not passed the 50 day to go milestone have we yet usually no. that's a big milestone so uh, so when we get to the 50 days to go, there'll probably be a bit more media activity around that. I know the volunteer uniforms just got launched um, a yes. couple of days ago. So, yeah, pen front and centre. Um, yeah. <laughs> 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 they need to be identifiable and bright. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they, they, look, uh, they look good. So, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're getting there. But, yeah, probably for the 50 days out to go. Uh, we might see a bit more uh, activity from the media and uh, from those, those host cities.
0: Start, and I suppose uh, it doesn't really activity. become real until those national sides start to to yeah. hone into their base camps and start their training. And, you know, that that's then when it becomes real and imminent. So, yeah, I, I guess, that, you know, it's a little premature, but as a fan, I'd like to see something now. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I think it will the excitement's growing you can feel it in the air Um, and I'm looking forward to this tournament
7: yeah and I think you're right I think the domestic once the domestic leagues like in the UK um, one you know there's another couple of weeks for those to wrap up then we've got the European UEFA uh, Champions League final. So I think you're right. There is still... It, it feels quite close to me. It feels quite close for the end of the the domestic season.
2: Um, yeah.
7: I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But just on, on this, it feels quite close before the teams kind of finish with their club duties and then move over to their national duties. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we've still got a couple more weeks for those. You're right. And then then once the 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 nations um group and all the players uh go back to their their home territories um and then they start that training and camps and all that stuff and that's probably when we might um you know hear a bit more about the squad announcements and um you know those kind of things
0: yes definitely Luke haley i'm sure we're going to be catching up with you um of almost every week throughout that um the tournament but um yeah. I can hear the excitement in your voice and look forward to talking to you again. Brilliant. Thank you very have much, Haley. All right. Thanks, Haley. Okay, Hayley Roach, the Lost Lioness, um, out there in Adelaide um, and obviously a real fan of the game. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and as you
1: said, travelling all around Australia as well, so I, I'm thinking she's going to have to try to time her, uh, her work travel with the World Cup as well.
0: Oh, without a doubt. Why would you not? You know, um, no. I think it, it, I'm looking forward to it. I think we're we're certainly getting a lot better, and I think you know the just for me that the, a little bit more advertising wouldn't go amiss.
1: But. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. So obviously, us you know, shall we say being on the inner circle or being you know actively hunting out info where we're we're aware that it's coming up, but I I dare say Joe Public isn't yet aware that there's a World Cup coming.
0: No, exactly, yeah. no, they're yeah. not. Uh, and it I think that's, that's where we, we need to get Joe public involved. Yeah. And yeah. All right, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back after this with Phil, and we'll be talking just general football football. Yeah. Oh, to
2: see everybody from: behind. Oh, fencing and rawtine is a fourth-generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Time. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor.
3: Ronaldo,
4: Wayne Rooney,
3: Verón.
1: Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out a my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-Leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in.
0: You did well there, Pete. I didn't even see your lips moving. Oh,
1: the, the ventriloquism. Lessons are really paying off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got some uh, Division 2 results from last week. Okay, Division 2 last week. Ashfield had a 2 1 home win over June Lub City. Morley Windmills and Kingsley Westside played out a nil or draw. Belga had a 2 0 home win over Canning City. Curtin Uni squeaked Kamra- Karamar Shamrock Rovers 3 2. Swan had a 4 0 away win over Quinn's. And Maddington Kalamunda defeated Wanneroo City 2 0.
0: Mm, yeah, some good results out there last week, and yeah. I think uh, Kingsley are playing Swan this week. And yeah, first
1: against third, then yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it'll be interesting because I think they've tipped Swan to to do Kingsley three nil at home. Mm. Can't see that happening myself. <laughs> um, all right. Good morning to our next guest, which is Phil Kelly, State League standing chair and Asheville president. How are you, mate? Good morning, Sean,
5: and good morning, Tate I'm really
0: good. good morning. Um, for a change, we won't to talk to you about State League or Ashfield. Um, what's what's You've been your soccer feast this week? Well, I,
5: as you know, Sean, I'm a I'm a sad South End United fan.
0: There's no Always, other type.
5: Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so I don't have a Premier League team, so I've been drawn to uh, English football, um, particularly the National League playoffs, and that's what, I guess, triggered me. Yeah. Um, most recently, is just the exploits of Notts County um, who I mean, along with, um, obviously, the very famous Ryan Reynolds, rather not Wrexham, but um, obviously Notts County did it the hard way, and boy, did they make it exciting.
0: Yes, but playoffs were something, as a traditionalist, I was never really fond of, but I am growing fonder of them. (laughs) Oh, Without a doubt, but just the way they did it. I
5: mean, I think um, the Boreham-Wood game, um, particularly, that yeah. was uh, the semi-final where uh, the, the winner came in the 98th minutes, um, and it was just just astounding.
0: Yeah, but when you think you you can't top that, you then get into the Sheffield Wednesday Peterborough game. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but, but 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 the Knox County final was even better yeah. than the semi-final. So the, the final against Chesterfield, yeah, um, was just remarkable. Just how that ended up, and then um, I think one of the Knox County players. Had a chance to send uh, this team up into League Two. Does a Penenka and he hits the crossbar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: yeah, unbelievable. Of all, no, all, unbelievable. Things, of all, all things, things. things. Yeah, when it really yeah. matters, let's, let's try something tricky. <laughs> yeah.
5: But no, that's really captivated me um, in the last couple of weeks. But the Sheffield Wednesday um, game the other day, wow. just wow. Unbelievable.
0: Well, you know they were what four 0 down going into the from the first leg, and then, um, yeah, it's just a, a fairy tale after that.
5: Well, I mean, to come back to score, I think the fourth goal equaliser to send to extra time again. That was late, deep into injury time.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, then then the, own, own, the own own goal. Only to
5: well, only to <laughs> score an own goal in extra time. Yeah. To, to make
0: it 5-4 uh, to uh, Chesterfield. Yeah. And um, then to
5: equalise the game deep, deep, deep in, in due time and um, force
0: it to penalty. And then in penalties, obviously, they did the business because they didn't miss one. So, um, no, yeah. Not at all.
5: That a sensational penalty. So, I think, if anyone out there, jump on YouTube, look at National League semi-final, National League Cup final and um, obviously Sheldon Wednesday versus Chesterfield, York. Yeah. Enjoy every minute of those highlights; because uh, they're
0: amazing. And the other thing is, no one in those teams are household names or or personalities, other than Wrexham, who managed to get themselves a fairly decent goalkeeper. Um, they've all kind of they're just honest work workmen in you know in soccer uniforms, and I think that's uh, an important part. When you look at the, well, reg- I've,
5: I've watched I've watched I've watched them in the national league, this yeah, year, mm. for, you know, for obvious reasons, but that's what I found. Like that that level of football. It's just far more honest, yeah. And it, yeah. And the crowds are amazing. The crowds are passionate. I mean, they all have to be, right? Yeah. The teams yeah. generally are terrible. Well, <laughs> especially when they've dropped from dropped from the championship.
0: But what, what um, about but, the um, celebrity ownership side with with Wrexham? Though, obviously, they they brought in the, the Hollywood um, element, and you know the the money that that's brought in and and the media attention that's brought in has been phenomenal for Wrexham and and where they sit within the world football now. Um, Do you see that, you know, with the glory prime for a takeover, that someone who, you know... Um, Hollywood celebrity who's local who could you know take it over? I'm thinking someone like Sasha. If you're listening, Sasha Baron Cohen, you know. And you're bored and you want to get no. Just imagine a press conference after a game with Ali G. You know, where he's there. Go, oh yeah, we were one nil down. And then my man coming there and bo 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 boya bo- kasha. <laughs> Be good, wouldn't it?
5: I think I think Bora would do a much better uh, press conference. I
0: yeah, we we win, very nice. <laughs> 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 yeah, it'd be great, wouldn't it? No, I just you know, I, I just look at the Wrexham thing, and yeah, it's all showbiz and glamour, but it on the on the park, it's exciting as well.
5: A- absolutely, look, and the attention that's brought the league, I think, has been ama- has been amazing. Um, crowds in the National League are, are huge; the stadiums are. Packed.
0: Yes, and, and
5: I know most of them are small grounds and that sort of thing, but they um, no, look and captivated my attention. And I think the National League uh, announced a streaming service that the clubs are yeah. running. Um, and I tell you, what, I will absolutely be subscribing to that for next year. Um, yeah. Um, and um, I'll probably yeah, you
0: know, I'll probably get my money's worth out of that for sure. Mm. Now, as a as a West Ham fan, um, they've reached the Europa League final, um, first time in 43 years. Last time they won a game, you weren't born. <laughs> they appeared in the final, you weren't born. Um, some scenes afterwards, though, with the the Dutch fans um, decided they were going to take on the, the wives and girlfriends of the players, <laughs> and and Nolesie, um just a, a little old guy, or I would say a big fella, really, but uh, stood at the top of the stairs and said, you're not going any further. Um, he's become a bit, bit of a sensation.
5: I love the fact that he sat there doing the hammer symbol, going, yeah. you shall not pass.
0: Um, <laughs>
5: oh. that, was, that was amazing. Yeah.
0: And it shows you the, the strength of these guys. They're all there, and there with their black hoodies pulled up and you know, bravely attacking defenceless women and children and uh, this 60-year-old man stands at the top of the stairs and stops them. So, you know, I think yeah. I think West Ham will we'll definitely owe him a ticket to the final. Yeah, well, they're worth well, fortune, I think there's only 20,000
5: or something available, and only 3,000 available to both teams. Yeah. Something
0: after UEFA have taken out their cut. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's a disgrace, but that's the way it is. Um, yeah. Talking of finals, um, we were talking earlier on the guaranteed no Sydney side in the A League final. Mm.
5: Be a good test one of Daddy Townsend's grand plan. Yeah, um, So, um, jury's out for me on it, and I think well, the jury will be the jury be making a verdict next week, and we'll
0: see what happens. Well, the the, the green seat hooligans were out there in force <laughs> last night, so will they be the same for the final? The which sorry the the, the green, green seat hooligans the yeah, green yeah. seat
5: hooligans
0: yeah <laughs> yeah I can't I can't I can't see them moving too many to uh, Sydney Football Stadium so yeah I just I, I don't know it was a bold experiment we'll see how it goes I mean it's there we we've got after this this one two more to go before we we get a vote so mm. it'll be interesting to to see. Um, Locally, the Wingles have been dismissed from Perth. Your your thoughts on that?
5: Uh, Look, I mean, I've been very public about my opinions in relation to how NPL state league clubs conduct themselves. Um, I think, look, um, I don't understand why we're hiring and firing coaches mid-season. I'll be honest, it's a joke. I don't think... Sometimes we take
7: ourselves way too seriously. Um, in my opinion, committees need to look at themselves. If
5: you're sacking a coach mid-season, you've done something wrong and it's on you. And perhaps maybe the changes need to happen further up. Um, mm. Just honestly, my opinion, um, doesn't matter whether it's at Perth or other clubs that do it. I just really think at this level of the game, we're amateur-ish trying to be professional. We're not going to do it. By terminating coaches mid-season, um, we're not going to change our game dramatically. There'll be no significant changes at Perth. I mean, perhaps they'll bring in a coach who will then bring a team in with a bag full of money from another side. That's not coaching. That's, no. You know, that's not what we're here for. I don't think so. Um,
0: but we learn that the we learn the lessons from. We learned the lessons from from the big teams, though, and you look at it, you know, there, there's a running joke that there's only two Chelsea managers till Christmas. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah,
7: that's the thing,
5: though. That, but that's the thing. We've, we've got to stop looking at places like the English Premier League for inspiration and how we're going to conduct ourselves in a sleeping hollow of a Yeah. Um, I mean, nothing worse than players do it, rolling around, you know, holding their legs, and it's been a challenge. Nothing worse than they're doing the Chelsea crowd or the referee um, just because they've watched it on TV the night before. Yeah. And much the same when a board member needs to fire their coach. I, think it, I honestly think it's laughable. I think we take ourselves way too seriously um, sometimes and we need to really you know, be honest with ourselves and see where we're at. And if you're sacking a coach after seven rounds or eight rounds, there's a problem, bigger problem you've got mm. without a doubt.
0: Uh, there was an article by um, Peacock in one of the media outlets this week about the state of Australian football, but in particular WA football, um, where we didn't have a representative in the National League. Do you have any thoughts on that one?
5: Yeah, look, Alex, I don't think a Perth team in the National League, second the National Second Division, would have worked, um, mm. particularly with some of the financial structures around it. It was yeah. always going to be
0: challenging. Yeah, but you, um, but I, I mean, we look at the. Then the development of youth players. When uh, Pete and I spoke earlier on this morning about, there's two Glory players in the under-17s national team, but there's five Mm -hmm. five other players that have got WA roots. So, is it as bad as we make it out to be? Well, sure. You make
5: you make a point there. I think the Glory does an amazing, amazing job at developing players. I don't think we can fault them. Yeah. Um, they, they should be praised for it they are probably one of the best in the country
0: just need to work on, on hanging players. on to them Yeah,
5: <laughs> well, they just, just do, just do an awful job of hanging on to them and, yeah. and treating the players right in their senior setup. Yeah, but from a development perspective I don't think they're, they're second to none yeah. um, the other thing is though this is an important thing and this is kind of linked back to the Dale Wingle thing or the Wingle Brothers thing you know, Perth wanted to go with youth they wanted to develop their players from within Yeah, and that hasn't worked for them Right
0: mm-hmm.
5: now, these players have been developed at the glory, but players aren't really being an NPL or state league club. I mean, some do, don't get me wrong, they do, but they're not really being developed at that level. They're more, it's ones that go on to play A league are coming out of the glory setup, mm. and that's part of the problem. I think we've got coaches that are coming in year after year after year, there's no consistency, and none of that's going to help.
0: Yeah, well, I think the only club that's really got any consistency in their coaching is Armadale, and and John's in his seventh season there. So, you know, I suppose that in itself is is something. Um, mm, I, but, I, I think so. Yeah, I, I think but Cap, back to the
5: state, back Cap, to the state of WA football. Yeah, though so generally, I think mean, I think there's a lot of moving part in it at the moment. And I walk around um, grassroots football on a Sunday. I'm doing it tomorrow morning. And there is there are more smiling faces out there than ever, I think, enjoying our game. So there's a disconnect somewhere between that and us being able to field a side in the national second division. And we need to get that right. And our our structures are all wrong. Yeah. The administration of our game is all wrong.
0: But and you that, but you coach structure.
5: that isn't just a football west,
0: it's at yeah.
5: every level at the clubs, it's a
0: but you coach you coach basketball. a a youth side you know um, a young children 's side, how many mm. of the parents play or watch or follow the code as adults because mm. mo- most of them yeah. watch the cricket the football the basketball they 're not yeah. they 're not football fans themselves and I suppose look as a as a coach and I've said this to to Dean and to um Maurice grassroots level we need to teach kids to love the game first and foremost in all its formats so they become fans of the game and then when they're adults they'll still be fans of the game rather than being fans of one of the the two afl sides or the basketball or something else because at the moment that we've got lots of kids playing we have a fair few adults playing but they're just the disconnect seems to be there because it's not the a-league that gets supported it's the it's the other leagues like the um, EPL that get followed, or the Bundesliga.
5: Exactly. Well, I, I saw some data this week, and I can't quote the source. on social media. Must be true, right? But it was a genuine source. Yeah. Um, and it was on. It was actually on um, each age group and each sport. Yeah. And, and
0: um, football football topped that list.
5: The, the participation of. Football was top in every single category. Yeah, right, yep. right the way through. But like that's... and and, that, and I think we've all known all along, right? Yeah. But in people in the game, we still feel like that's not the case, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, we do. What what, what what's happening? What's the disconnect on that? Yeah. Because the metrics are there. The metrics are there. We can prove that, and then. I know that there's a lot of informal and casual participation yeah. in those numbers as well, and that potentially is part of it. People playing six aside side on a weeknight or yeah. um, people kicking <clears> the ball <throat> around in a park on a Sunday casually, right? <clears throat> so A lot of those numbers are factored into that. But there is a massive disconnect where our game is disjointed, um, yeah. where between all those smiley, happy kids that will be at various parks tomorrow morning
0: in the rest of our game, and I don't know the answer. But you see them, they turn turn up to training in their Barcelona tops or their their West Ham tops or whatever, Man United tops. Um so they're already they're they're predisposed now to not following the local competitions. Um well, you're not
5: gonna start you're not gonna start me on that
0: now. You've only got <laughs> ten minutes left. I know. But but then you know, and we have spoken about the the teams coming over and look as a West Ham fan, great to have them coming over, but you know, that money isn't gonna go back into the local game. I as a West
5: Ham fan, yeah. I don't degrade you at all, because you're going to love the fact that they're going to come here. I don't know who they're going to play, but yep. you're going to love the fact that they're going to come here and put on a good show for you. But...
0: Well, we are playing the Sparks. Nothing,
5: it would do nothing for grassroots football. West yep. are are going to come here, right? They'll do a few photo shoots. They might even turn up, a couple of their players might turn up at a couple of clubs or academies somewhere and do some stuff. Yeah. But what's going to happen is it's going to draw attention away from kids that are watching the game and looking at what's going on and watching the spectacle towards West Ham and the English Premier League. And that's the precise reason why they're here. They're not here to grow the game here. No. They're here to grow the TV broadcast rights for the EPL.
0: Well, without a doubt. And that's why they go to America, why they go to Asia, and why the EPL invests so much money sending teams out across the world. Um, and then you know you you look at the money that's involved in those TV deals. I, I was reading a thing on Barcelona the other day, uh, one point six billion in debt, and they sold their their European t or their yeah the European TV rights to an American company for the next twenty five years. <laughs> yeah. and yeah. their and their justification was There's a re- was, good reason. Good
5: reason for because there's there's a lot of money at play. And yeah, it's, but it's, but they said this
0: this project relies on, on trophies. That's That was his statement. Um, you know, obscene amount of money to be in debt and still be able to then buy new players by selling off your, your 25 years of your TV rights.
5: Yeah, exactly. So that's the reason, man, you and, um, and anyone else in the future. And I'm not a great fan. I think that there should be caveats put on them. They should be doing a lot more for the game here. There yeah. should be... Yeah. There should be proceeds that are fed through the game, um, whether that goes to Football West, whether that goes to infrastructure, whether that goes to grassroots coaching or education. But these clubs need to be leaving a legacy here as well. So I'm all I'm all for the exploitation and getting the eyes and the attention on the ETL. Fair enough. I mean, I I watch it myself. I enjoy it. I love the National League. Um, I'd say so. Yeah. Um, my attention's there too, but when these teams come here, they need to leave a and 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 improve the game here too.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. All right. Anything else that grinds your gears?
5: <laughs> well, I just want to go on record and say that Sam Kerr is definitely the best sports person and down in Australia right now. Yeah. And um, most... Certainly, the best footballer we've ever exported and there ever had been, and there's yeah. no doubt about it. And anyway and I'm quite happy to fight anyone on that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, but also I also think her, her media presence needs to be improved. She's she's not and doesn't do an awful lot of interviews, and I think that maybe is one area that needs to change. And I don't know who can change that.
5: Yeah, but probably says more about Sam Kerr than it does. Perhaps. Oh, no,
0: she she's. Known for being brutally honest in what she says, and I think maybe in some areas she's been been gagged or she's reticent to involve herself in it in case she does drop a clangor. But you know that that's part and parcel of being honest.
5: hundred percent, no, and I, you're probably right. But um, look, there's no doubt about it. I think mean, anyone, may, I mean, look, Tim Cowhell certainly was a great a great two, but he is nothing on the achievement that Sam Kerr has had.
0: No, no, look, I I keep saying this, if if he'd been in the top 10 players even once, never mind three or four years running, um, the media here would have lost their minds over it. But, yeah, it's, um, yeah, the inequality's real. No, without a doubt. So I wanted to get that in, but so I was listening earlier, and I thought um, I'm
5: going to uh, have to add to that argument, I think.
0: So, um, lots of questions. I've seen some, some things, and I know you can't comment too much on it, around squaddy, but some, some of it's coming <laughs> from, from parents. And, you know, when parents are, are making the, 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 the comments, and I think, you know, Pete, Pete's got an issue around obtaining leagues on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Well,
5: I'll tell you, so, so I tell you I've, got, I've, got, I've got three kids that play football, right? Yeah. On a Sunday. I obviously we only have two parents. We have three kids playing in three different locations. I have to wait a long time. I can't plan out when I'm taking my kids to football. Um, now, I'm a fairly heavily involved person in football. I can make calls to people. I can, I can um, talk to the right people to find out what needs to be done. But I can't explain to my wife, who has nothing to do with football, why it can't be easier. Why can't I find out and plan in the next few weeks where my kids are playing? Mm. And I can't answer that. Yeah. And that's the answer that Football West needs to answer and you know, and forget all this rhetoric around Football West and squatty and well,
0: it's not about there's blame, of, it's about outcomes, isn't there's it? A of, yeah.
5: There's a lot of a lot of bad pressure there at the moment, right? But yeah. Football West one hundred percent need to take responsibility so that people like me can tell people like my wife why it isn't easy. And <laughs> that answer isn't there yet, and that's the problem. Right. And that's just that's just the bare bones facts of it all. Now, whoever's fault that is, I'd like that person. If it's the FA, if it's Squatty, if it's Football West, if it's the poor staff in the Football West office, I don't know. Yeah. If it's clubs, whoever it is. But whoever that person is, is to put their hand up and say, sorry, we've made a mistake. We need to fix it. This is the plan. And that's the problem. We're not hearing a plan at the moment. And mm. we really, like, the football community probably needs to demand a plan. Um, yeah, and the answer to that question, I've said before, it's not about all the other things that people talk about and say, and it's just about getting these right, working out what needs to be done, and having a plan going forward.
0: Absolutely. All right, Phil. Thank you very much for being on. Um, I'm sure we'll catch up with you again sometime.
5: Sure thing. Any time, guys.
0: <laughs> all right. Cheers.
5: No worries. Bye.
0: Okay, Pete, I think that's just about it for us. That's
1: just about one last bit of yeah. news I did pick up. Um, Jacinta, um, for Glo- people who have for- followed the Glory Women, Gala, said, they the G, are, yeah. I'm not even going no to try to say her last name. She, she's Argentinian. She's, she's decided she's Argentinian and not Australian or Sri Lankan. So. Uh, She's officially decided to um, play for Argentina.
0: Uh, Well, she's a fluent Spanish speaker and probably finding in in Spanish that means Smith. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, look, uh, I think we're at a point where as talented as she is, um, Australian women's football is in such a good position that um, she's probably thought she's got more chance with Argentina
1: Well, it's hard to say because she is only 21, so she would represent sort of the next wave coming through. Obviously, Mm. the the Matildas, as we know them now, most of them are in the second half of their 20s, shall we say? Lots Um, of good
0: youth coming through, though. That's right. Well, All right, mate. Well, thank you very much for being on. You're back next week with Penn. I am indeed. All right. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.